this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. to the show everybody you're listening to the confessionals i am your host tony merkel thank you for being here if you've had an encounter or story you'd like to share with me on the show go ahead and shoot me an email my email address is the confessionals at protonmail.com that's the confessionals at protonmail.com or go to the website theconfessionalspodcast.com hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well either way works for me just get a hold of me And if you want extra shows every week on Thursdays, we drop an extra show on the website for members only. So if you want more of The Confessionals, head to theconfessionalspodcast.com and join to become a member today. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome to the Christmas Day edition of The Confessionals. I was going to put this show out yesterday for Christmas Eve, but we decided to put out the Christmas Eve music special on Christmas Eve, and (laughs) then we're going to put out today's show on Christmas Day. So hopefully you guys are having a great Christmas right now, and you listened to the Christmas Eve music special yesterday, and today you got more audio coming your way with a great encounter story. We have Lauren coming on, and Lauren is going to be sharing her experience of when she was in the New Age religious movement And when she started the process of becoming a Christian, her spirit guides turned on her and they became very demonic and even possessed her where her husband had to perform an exorcism on her last minute kind of situation. It's a great talk today about a two hour show ahead for you right here on Christmas Day. Merry Christmas, everyone. And I'm glad you're here. Let's get to the show right now.
All right, today we got a great guest coming on. Lauren, how are you? I'm doing well, Tony. Thank you for having me on. Awesome. I'm glad you're here. And uh, you have an interesting life. So we spent some time talking and your email you know, draws out a lot of pictures and stuff. But basically, you come from uh, being somebody who went into the New Age from a Christian background and then went back to being a Christian. And uh, you had an experience where basically you were demonically possessed and your husband had to take care of the situation. Uh, but before we get to that story, which is pretty dramatic, uh, why don't you just walk us through your life and draw the picture as to how this all happened for you? Okay, I'd be happy to. All right, so I want to start at the very, very beginning, and that's going to be before I even come along. Um, my grandmother, my mother's mom um, actually passed away uh, long before I was ever born. Um, but my mom would always tell me these stories about how sensitive to the paranormal and to the spirit world my grandmother was and told me all these crazy stories that um, she had told my mother. And, um, and there was always like one crazy thing after another, but she was also very religious. Um, so if I could say that, like, my paranormal uh, interest or sensitivities come from anywhere, I would definitely say my mom's side of the family, um, because she also has a great uncle. When I was doing some research, found out that um, in the Baltimore, Maryland area, which is where I'm originally from, um, this was at the turn of the century, I think, in, like, in the 1910s. Um, he was a magician, like a stage magi magician, but he belonged to um, a group of, of men. It was like a magician's fraternity called the Demons Club, and they called themselves demons. And um, you can actually search this up on Google and read some old articles about them and everything. So they were stage magicians, but... Um, I suspect there was something else going on, like some ritual magic and stuff going on, too. And um, he later was one of the founding fathers of another group called the Society of Osiris, um, which, for people who don't know, is an Egyptian god. And so I feel like, um, I'm not sure that he was the, the one that opened the door there. I think that that's indicative of a long line of family members that have messed around with, with magic and, um, and the spirit world. And that my grandmother was, um, just like me, just sort of influenced by those open doors. So, um, let's see. So then I was born <laughs> and at the time when I was born, um, up until the age of nine, um, my mom was involved with the new age and that's sort of a cliche term. I know it's just, um, she was into psychics and mediums and, um, believed in extraterrestrials and, uh, she did meditation regularly and things like that. Um, but she would take me to, um, me and my brother were very close in age, um, to psychic fairs and things like this. And, um, like she, she has told me that at one of them that they went to, there was a group of people and the psychic who was 
he was talking to a group and he pointed me out specifically and said something about my gifts or like the powers that I have or something like that. Um, which is not to, I'm not tooting my own horn or anything like this is going to come into play because if I believe now that if that they were seeing in me familiar spirits that they also had attached to them. How old were you at that time? Um, I was between, I mean, my mom took us to psychics all the time. Like we would be playing and stuff while she was talking to these psychics. But I think at this time, I think I was about four or five at that time. So you're, you were young. Yeah. Really young, really young. Um, because she, she accepted Christ as her savior when I was nine. So all of this happened um, when I was pretty young. And then there was another psychic fair she took us to that in Pennsylvania, actually. <laughs> that, hey, hey. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, she said there was this like super old building and there were psychics and mediums everywhere. Um, but this one lady approached, approached us. Um, my dad was holding me and um she asked my, the psychic asked my mom, she sees, she sees things, doesn't she? And my mom told her, yes, that I do see things. Um, and I had said something to her there. So we were outside of this old house at the psychic fair. And I was looking at the upstairs of this house, which was blocked off because of safety reasons or something. And, I kept saying to my mom, I want to go up there. My friends are up there playing. I want to go up there. And then that psychic had come and, and asked my mom, she sees things and, um, my, and had told her to protect my gift and to not discourage me from seeing things and stuff like that, which my mom really blew her off. But, um, I asked my mom, I said, well, why did you tell her that I saw things? Like, did you, did I say anything to you? And, um, she said that, well, she did know that she had known that I was seeing something when I was saying that I wanted to play with my friends at the top of that house. Um, but that when I was two, I had, um, I was like talking to myself or something. And she asked me who I was talking to. And I said, I said, grandma. And she said, well, um, your grandma's not here. What do you mean? And she, and I said, no, the my grandma in heaven. So I was, presumably a talk, a talking to my mother's mother who had died in a really bad car accident um, when my mom was um, 20 years old. And my mom said, well, what is she saying to you? And I said, I can't tell you. She said, I'm not allowed. Um, I'm not allowed to tell you. And my mom said, I kept saying cordon all the time. Like, I don't know what that means, but cordon and she said, you just kept saying it over and over again. I asked you where grandma was and you just kept saying cordon, cordon, cordon. So I was two. I don't know if I was um, trying to say something else um, like corridor or something like that. Um, so I don't know why I would know that word when I was two. But, um, so yeah, cordon. So my mom at that point chalked it up to um, that I was, just sensitive like her mother was and um so real quick when uh, i was the word yeah, the yeah. word cordon uh did you ever look at that word and see what it actually means 
No. My mom said she did, but couldn't figure it out. But no, I didn't. So cordon, I didn't C- Google or anything. Yeah, cordon, C-O-R-D-O-N. Uh, the noun is a line or circle of police, soldiers, or guards preventing access to or from an area or a building. And that would sound a lot like heaven with the with uh, Peter at the gates uh, allowing access or denying access to a certain area. Right? I mean, it sounds like... It, like That's something, crazy. And, I did not even know that word. Right. So, I mean, it, even, wow. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but I'm just saying like heaven and hell both would have access points that are not accessible to just openly accessible. There has to be a chain of oh command and process to getting in or out, you know? <laughs> so Yeah, because you know what else she told me? And this is a story she's been telling me my entire life because I guess it really blew her mind. She said that I told her that my grandmother appeared in a doorway of light, held out her hand mm. to me and, and beckoned me come, like asked, told me to come with her, but I refused. So wow. that's pretty crazy. Like if it was trying to get me to, I don't, I just want to say, I do not believe it was my grandmother. Um, I believe it was something pretending to be my grandmother. So that's weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to distract you or anything. I just figured I'd throw that out there before it wasn't uh, wasn't relevant to the conversation. No, that's really interesting. That's something something else to chew on. Um, okay, so I felt I did. I saw shadows a lot, like shadow figures, and just sort of. And even now, I still do. I see like like shadow energy, sort of like darting around. I always felt like I was being watched when I was a kid. I think a lot of kids feel like that. Um, But um, it was just, I constantly felt like something was always messing with me. And um, there was one time that stood really stood out as far as shadow people are concerned. I think I was about five at this age. Um, So I was sleeping. And suddenly, I woke up suddenly, and I saw this shadow figure walk through my doorway. So my, my it was dark in the room, but the door was open, and the hall light was on. So this shadow figure walked through my bedroom door, and it was, it was average male height. It was definitely the shape of a man, not large, not small, just sort of like a regular, like, trim athletic shape. And... Um, I called it a naked man, but he just wasn't wearing clothing, but I didn't see any, like, there was no, I I couldn't see any, like, reproductive parts or, um, like, muscles or anything. It was just, like, a very dark shape of a man, bald head, and he walked into my door, and here I am, I woke up suddenly, and I'm staring at it, and then it approaches my bed and takes a knee like in prayer. Like he went, he bent down on one knee, put his hands together, not clasped together, but like in the, um, just your pressing your hands together in prayer and bowed his head to me. And, you know, I mean, I was already kind of used to paranormal at this time, but you know, you're five years old. It was scary. So I I did what any five-year-old would do, and I put the covers over my head and (laughs) closed my eyes and said, okay, I'm dreaming. When I open my eyes again, he's going to be gone. So I did that for a few seconds, and then I looked again, and he was still there. And so I said to him, 
go away. I don't want you here. You don't belong here. Go away. And he, like, I got a feeling of, like, I don't know. It's kind of weird, but just like the energy that came from him was almost like disappointment. And he didn't go away right away at first. It had to be very insistent. And then he just stood up, walked backwards a few steps, and turned around and disappeared. Um, so I was pretty young when that happened. Um, and then the first sleep paralysis I ever had was about when I was about seven years old. Um, and at that time, you know, my whole life, I feel like I've been super fascinated and interested in all things paranormal, like any kind of show that came on TV or anything about psychics or mediums or ghosts or just anything. I was all about it because I wanted to kind of understand what was always happening to me. Um, but my mom, uh, gave her life to Christ when I was nine years old. Um, the story goes is that she had this evil presence always trying to mess with her. And she shared that in confidence with um, a friend that she worked with who had also been in the occult and had, and at that point was a Christian. And he told her like, look, Jesus can help you and you need to leave all that stuff alone and turn to Christ. And she did. And so um, all of us kind of followed suit after that. Um, and so I was nine when I accepted Jesus into my heart. But, you know, when you're nine years old, you don't really, I mean, I had no concept of what Jesus actually did for people, what he did for me and what accepting him into my heart, <laughs> as they say, like really even meant for my life. You know, it was, I was just kind of, going off the suggestion of the people at church, you know, but, um, when I did it, I was sitting, um, on our swing set in the backyard and I was just kind of saying it over and over again. I was swinging and just enjoying the afternoon and saying, I accept Jesus into my heart, you know, like talking to Jesus. And then very clearly in my ear, I heard that's enough. And What's really sad is I thought it was God. Um, I know now that that wasn't God, but when I was nine years old, I thought it was God. And that um, that started many years of feeling like God was always mad at me and never happy with me. And that I was always sinning and he was always um, displeased. And like, um, it was kind of a vicious cycle because I had clearly had some, some, um, beings or entities attached to me that were always speaking to me that were unfortunately louder to me than the Holy Spirit was at that time of my life. Um, so, uh, let's see. So something else that stands out, um, are these three shadow beings that my brother and I deemed the farmers. These are beings, they are shadow men that have followed us since we were little kids um, up through our teenage years. And we call them the farmers because um, they are very much shadow beings. But for whatever reason, they are these, like if the last shadow being that I saw, if he was just like a normal looking man. These things were kind of husky, kind of on the bigger side. And they wore overalls and straw hats and which were not in color they were shadow but somehow 
both of us individually, me and my brother, perceived that they were overalls and straw hats. And um, whenever they would come and visit one of us, they would come and visit both of us. So all throughout our childhood, if one of us had a nightmare of them, um, the other one had too. And um, that was throughout our childhood. But it wasn't until we had our, we had moved to South Carolina when I was 13 that um, we actually both had an experience with these farmers and had cooperated, I guess, like for the first time, like really talked about it. Um, so let's make sure I'm not skipping ahead here. So I was about 15, I think when this happened. So we had been in South Carolina for a couple years and we moved into this house that the other kids called the haunted house, but <laughs> I was haunted my whole life, so um, it didn't bother me that they called it the haunted house. But there was one night that I always lived with my door closed because, again, even throughout my teenage years, I always felt like something was trying to get me at nighttime. And I would ask for angels to protect me every night and, like, ask God to send his angels to protect and um, it was very hard for me to sleep, but I always slept with the door closed. And this, this particular night, I slept with the door open. And um, I think for the first time, I had actually seen these farmers with my own eyes. Like, it was always in dreams and nightmares and night terrors that me and my brother had seen these things. And um, so I woke up suddenly and... Here these things come, these three farmers filing in through my doorway, just very slowly, uh, not like they're running, but just very slowly, like walking one, two, three through my doorway, and then approached the side of my bed and stood there, sta like staring at me. And I knew I was seeing them with my own eyes. And um, uh, at this time, I knew to call in the name of Jesus, so that's what I did, and they, of course, went away, and um, so the next morning, I shared with my brother what had happened, and he just looked like he had, he was just white, like he was shocked because he had had a nightmare about them exactly the same, you know, at, at that night, and they had visited him too. So, um, I don't know what the deal with them <laughs> was, but that was, I'm pretty sure the last experience that we had with them. I think that was when we shared that with my mom. Cause I don't think we had ever told her about the farmers before. I'm sure she, I'm pretty sure we blessed the house and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't think that I had another experience with them. All right, let's take a break right now and talk about a sponsor, CBS's show called Evil. You need to check out and binge Evil on CBS. Why, you ask? Because 
Evil is a seriously good mystery. There are jump-out-of-your-seat scares, but episode after episode, you'll be trying to put the puzzle pieces together to see the big picture. The big, demon-riddled, scary picture. Kaja Herbers plays Kristen Butcher, a forensic psychologist who's hired by a priest in training, played by Mike Coulter. Together with Asif Mandif, they investigate the Catholic Church's backlog of unexplained mysteries. Things like miracles, demon possessions, hauntings, and everything in between. The deeper they get, the more they figure out, the angrier it makes the dark side. Michael Emerson is the perfect villain and a rival psychologist who enjoys creating some nasty situations. And he isn't in the shadows. They know exactly who's messing with them, and every episode gets them closer to finding out why. So curl up on the sofa and binge this chilling mystery on CBS All Access, CBS.com, or on demand. It is so worth it. So the experience you had where you leave the door open, they come walking in your room, your brother had an experience that night as well. Did he actually see them or did they come to him in his dream? I think that he was dreaming, um, but I'm actually not positive. I should have verified that with him before I talked to you. However, he had definitely seen them in some shape or form. Um, but actually, I have here in my notes that apparently around the same time, so maybe that wasn't my last experience with them because my husband told me recently <laughs> that, so my husband and I have been together since I was 14. He was 17. We were high school sweethearts. Um, so when I say my husband, he was my boyfriend at the time. Um, apparently he told me that at some point we were dating and he said I was about 15 or 16 years old that I came flying down the stairs and told him those, those things are in my room right now. And he didn't believe me. Um, and so he went up there and saw them standing at the foot of my, bro- my brother's bed with his own eyes. And wow. then, of course, believed me. But um, he, I was actually talking to him about it this morning. He said that one of them looked at him and he got uh, just a chill all over his body and he knew those things were real and that it was looking at him. Um, so it's verifiable by my husband too, but he actually didn't even tell me that until, um, this past spring. So I didn't know he had ever seen them too. I don't know if he was like too proud to tell me he got scared or something, but, (laughs) um, (laughs) so he has seen them too. Um, so just like random things would happen in the house. Like I would see shadow being standing behind me in the mirror. Um, like when I was getting ready for school or something, they would like jump scare me, like appear behind me. And I would hear my name being called all the time and think it was my mom. Like it sounded just like my mom. Um, apparently that's a common thing. Cause I've heard that on, uh, I've heard people say that quite a bit, but so I would think my mom was calling me and then I'd ask her what she needed and, you know, she wasn't calling me. So I heard people calling my name a lot in that house. Um, a couple of times when I was out in public, I saw 
a demonic face manifest on someone else's face. Like, um, there was a couple of times when I was just walking through the store and this, a young guy, this happened twice. A young guy was just sort of, I was making eye contact with him and he was making eye contact with me, but he'd have a really weird look on his face. And I would see a demonic face manifest on his face, sort of smirking at me. And like, almost like the demonic presence was saying, I see you, you know, or I'm watching you or something like that. That happened a couple of times, um, which wasn't really surprising to me, I guess, by that time, because I had, I had taken, um, you know, those tests you take for what's your, um, spiritual gift (laughs) or whatever. And it was always discerning of spirits and stuff. So, um, it's a weird thing to happen, but, um, and then there was this other time at that house that my brother and I both, again, both saw the same apparition manifest in front of our eyes. Uh, so this one's kind of neat. This one's more of like, it's not even really scary. It's kind of just, it's one of those, um, excuse me, mind trippy things. Um, we were helping my mom bring groceries in. And in this house, like, so we came in through the back door and then, um, to go into the kitchen, you kind of had to cross through this, the ha- this hallway and along the hallway on one side, on the left side was the laundry room and on the right side was the dining room. And we we're carrying these bags of groceries and, um, we both stop and look up and this, uh, I guess they call them solids, a <laughs> solid apparition walked from the dining room. So from the right to the left side of the hallway, just walked across the hallway. Um, there was absolutely no transparency to it at all. It looked like a solid figure. Um, and we both saw it at the same time. Um, so I'll just describe to you what it looked like. He was not walking on the, the floor. He was walking above the floor. Um, both me and my brother are pretty tall. I'm 5'10", and my brother's like 6'5", um, or something. And um, so I would say that this guy was a little on the smaller side compared to us. I would say he's probably about 5'5". Five, five. And he looked like he was wearing a black cape. Um that came to his knees and he looked like he was holding something, um, to his chest, like clutching something large to his chest, but I couldn't see what it was. It was under the cape and the cape had a hood and he wore these long, like these tall black boots that came up to his knees that were all, um, like black leather, I would say buckled up and, um, like tight pants. Um, and then he, so this figure goes striding across the hallway and I looked at my brother. I said, did you see that? And he said, I saw that. <laughs> and, um, and then as we're standing there, like gobsmacked, trying to figure out what just happened, the figure walked back from the other side, from the laundry room back to the dining room. And we saw it. So we saw it a second time. Um, so that was, a verifiable case of seeing an apparition. We both saw it together. And I asked him fairly recently, um, 
you know, if he remembered seeing that and he does, he does remember it. So it definitely happened. Um, so then time goes on and I experienced this, like the random paranormal thing, um, that seemed to just happen all the time, but it was nothing. It was unusual, but it wasn't, it was just like my life. I was just used to it. And, um, so we grew up and when I was, um, 21, I had our first son and we, a couple years later moved into our own home and, um, paranormal stuff continued, but not like it was in that other house. Uh, we would sometimes get what we called visitors or what I called visitors, um, but it's a very old town that we live in. So even though it was a new house, uh, we kind of felt like the, the grounds had its own energy and had a lot of history. So we weren't surprised when we had, uh, strange things going on. My husband late at night, he's a night owl. I'm not at all. So I would already be long in bed, but he would in the middle of the night, see an apparition, a woman with long blonde hair and a white dress, walking around and he would sometimes think it was me up like of walking around until he realized it wasn't me (laughs) and he would see her pretty often actually when he was up by himself in the middle of the night he also saw like what he described as like a native american running through the house um and then there was one time too that i was um in my 20s, so I could I could do this then. I couldn't do this now. But I was getting up at like 4 o'clock in the morning to go work out before work. And I was sitting on the couch in our living room, which looked out these two picture windows to through the yard and then across the street to the neighbor's, part of the neighbor's yard and, and their, their driveway. And... Um, so I was sitting there, my morning ritual was to just sit there with my coffee for a little bit and just wake up before I went to go work out. And, um, our neighbor across the street drove a truck for the power company. So it was this great big, I forget what you call them, cherry picker truck with the, um, the seat that goes way up into the air. So it was a pretty big truck. Yeah. And, um, so I was sitting there looking out the window. It's dark except for the couple of street lights and stuff. And I see this man walking down. Through, like, it was like through down the street, but through my neighbor's yard. And he seemed kind of tall and lanky. Um, not unusual for South Carolina, the way this guy was, was dressed. He was wearing like a white tank top, um, sort of raggedy shorts and work boots that came up his ankles, like touched his calves, but were not, weren't laced up. So they were kind of, um, you know, flopping around a little bit. And I mean, he just looked like your average, you know, worker. So it wasn't out of the ordinary, I guess, but I see him walking and I'm, I'm watching him. And then suddenly he looks at me and he's got blue glowing eyes and it was first thing in the morning and I was tired. So I was, I was thinking to myself, that guy has on night vision goggles. <laughs> I know that sounds ridiculous, but I was just woken up and I was not thinking ghosts at all. 
So, because he looked like a man, he just looked like a man walking. But when he looked at me, his eyes were glowing blue. And I said, man, those must be some good goggles because I could, I just felt like he could see me through the window. Like I had the blinds up. I was actually looking out the window and stuff. And, um, he was looking in the window at me and this is a, I don't, I can't say for sure how many yards, but it's a pretty good distance. Like nobody would be able to see me through the window from where he was. I just wasn't putting two and two together and he walks all the way through my neighbor's yard across the driveway and behind my neighbor's truck, the big work truck. And I expected him to appear on the other side and he didn't like he just disappeared. And then I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> that was a, that was an apparition that I just saw. And I felt like a dope thinking he, this is some guy with night vision goggles on that could see me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's, that was, a a second full bodied apparition that I saw. And it was kind of weird. I had wondered if it was my husband's at the time. I don't think it was, but at the time I had wondered if it was my husband's uncle who had been um, struck by a car when in his early twenties on that road. And I mean, they look kind of similar, I would say, but I don't know why he would be haunting my, my neighbor's driveway if that were him. So, um, and then in this house, I would say, I, I want to touch on a little bit of the stuff that my kids experience. Um, okay. In this, in this house, um, because, I had always prayed that my kids would not experience the same kind of darkness and stuff that I did. And when they started experiencing paranormal things, I got honest, honestly, I was mad at God. Like I was pretty ticked off that like, why, why aren't you protecting them from this? I don't want them to be afraid their whole childhood like I was. And, um, but they've had their own experiences. Like I think my son, our oldest was about seven when um i was sitting in the living room and it's a very small house um um and there i was pretty much right next to the two kids bedrooms and we had some toys in there like electronic toys and and a big toy box and i was just sitting at the desk and i started hearing the kids weren't home so I started hearing the toys moving around like they were in this plastic toy box. So it sounded like as if somebody were moving the toys around, like looking for a toy to play with, you know, and like, so I could hear them like touching each other and tipping over and stuff in the toy box and hearing little boops and beeps going off from somebody pressing the buttons and um, like an idiot, I said to this being okay you know you can stay as long as you don't scare us you know um like just let me know if you need something because at this time I was thinking like ghosts were around because they needed help or something like that and uh so I opened the door to this thing and um so lesson learned, never speak to <laughs> something you don't know what you're speaking to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, this is probably not a good idea because after that, um, like within days, my, our oldest son, he was probably about 
seven, I think. Um, he's 15 now, so this is a long time ago. Hard for me to remember ages when they all just start blending together. Um, he was terrified. He called for me. I had just put him to bed um, maybe an hour before. So this was probably like nine o'clock at night or something. The hallway light was on. Um, and he calls for me and he's scared. And he tells me that this is what he saw in the hallway, just outside of their bedroom, his bedroom door. Um, yeah, I guess their bedroom door. Cause the two boys were sleeping in the one room and he saw a rainbow spiral manifest down and like a rainbow portal, I guess you could say, come down. And when what it manifested was what he called ghost boy. And he described ghost boy as a kid about his age, maybe a little bit older, maybe like a tween age, um, but his same size and that he had blonde hair, um, a loose white shirt and loose, like brown breeches. Um, like it was like old fashioned type clothes and boots, boots that came up his ankle, um, and that he looked like he'd been in a fight is what my son said. Like he was disheveled as he said, his clothes were dirty. Um, he had cuts and bruises on his face and everything. Like he'd been fighting and he looked angry. He looked like, um, let's see if I can, like, uh, he wasn't like friendly. He was pissed off, I guess. And the boy was telling my son, um, he wants to be a part of him. He wants to be friends with him. He wants to be a part of our, um, his, my son's life. And I don't think my son said anything, but that's when he called for me. And, um, the next night or with, was it the next night or within, within days again? Um, so honestly, I, I, I'm not sure I put two and two together about like speaking to whatever it was playing with toys in their room. Um, <clears throat> I was kind of just like, Oh boy, here we go. Like my kids can see stuff too. Great. Like I have to deal with them being <clears throat> try to explain to them what's happening and stuff. And I really didn't ever want to have to do that. Um, but within, within like a week, I would say we had just gotten our cat uh, it was the only pet that we had at the time and we had just gotten him and our youngest son who would have been, um, about three at the time was asleep in my bed. My husband was not home. I'm pretty sure he was working. Um, and this was at nighttime and the other two kids were in bed and my youngest was in my bed and our cat with the door open. So he was sleeping on my spot of the bed and our cat started to approach the bedroom door where our youngest son was sleeping and started growling. I've never heard a cat growl before and I've never heard it again since, but our cat was growling and he was staring at something above my son. And I jumped up and I ran in there to look and 
sure enough, I sensed something over my son. I didn't see anything, but I sensed that it was there. And I told it to leave in the name of Jesus Christ, and it did. And um, I've never heard our cat growl like that again. But at that point, I was really freaked out. And I reached out to, I did some some internet searching and stuff, but um, at this time, I wouldn't say I had gone away from my faith completely, but I wasn't a practicing Christian, I would say either, like not in the disciple way that we, um, that I am now, you could say. And so I reached out to, I found like the only Christian psychic I could find on the internet. And I reached out to her. Um, she called herself a Christian psychic and I, I told her what was going on. And she said, do not mess with this thing. It is from the pits of hell. She said she had to pray that it would stay away from us and that it's been told it better never return. Um, and she said, like, it was trying to attach itself to my son so that it could possess him. And um, so I took that very seriously. She said, don't even ever talk about it again. Don't tell him not to even think about this thing. Um, so I know I'm talking about it now, but I feel certain that we're covered by uh, God's protection. So, um, but what was crazy is that a little while after I had contacted her and felt like it had gone away and it was told it could never come back in the house again, I was again walking through the house in one of those mornings where I was up super early at like 4.30 in the morning and um, the windows in the living room that are the, those um, large windows. And I had the blinds kind of halfway pulled up. So it was, I could see out of them and it was dark. I was walking through the living room and suddenly a, a face appeared and that window on the outside <laughs> looked super angry at me. Um, it was a boy's face uh, and just had this horrible evil look like I'm going to get you. And it totally jump scared me. Um, but it was on the outside and I thought, well, it was told it could never come inside again. So that was interesting. But I know Tony, you have, you've had your own experience of seeing something outside of the window. Yeah. So. yeah. I, I, <laughs> I still, know that's not your favorite story. <laughs> no, I'm sitting here thinking, man, I'm not going to look out the windows tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, it, it definitely took its opportunity to, um, scare me through that dark window. Um, so let's see at this. Uh, and then throughout this time too, this is all like not right at the same time, but throughout this time in my life, uh, you could say where I was kind of going away from the faith and leaning more into, uh, alternative, um, philosophies, if you want to call them that, um, our oldest son, again, he, um, started having dreams about futuristic technology that he was working with. Like he would draw me these pictures of these um, machines that did, that don't exist as far as I know. And he would have these dreams where he was a man and he was working with this technology. And at the same time, he was getting downloads of binary code 
Um, I don't know if you've ever, I'm sure you've heard of the, the Randlesham. I'm sure I'm not saying it correctly. Randlesham forest. Um, uh, UFO experience. Oh, well you need to look into that one. Cause yeah. it's in the U it's in the UK and the guy, like these guys that went and investigated this UFO and the Randlesham forest, he put his hand on it on the UFO and he got this huge download of binary code. Yes. Yes. It, Remember that? Yes. Okay, I got so you. So that's, that's kind of like what was happening to my son. He would be in school and suddenly kind of be in this trance and getting a download of binary code, and um, which was interesting but also kind of freaky because that happened in that movie too. Um, forget what it's called. But uh, so that was going on with him. And around the same time, that was going on with him. Our daughter was having um, what I she. Let's say, I I thought at the time that it was like a past life recollection, um, and and our youngest son too. Um, both started telling me things that sounded like they would have been a past life. And that really sent my head spinning because I still had my Christian worldview and I wanted answers so badly about what my kids were telling me. And it just, what, what they were telling me just sounded so much like a past life that I really started researching that a lot. And that's part of what sort of led me away from, from Christian faith and into these other philosophies because I wanted an explanation for what my kids were saying and what was happening to them and um, what had happened to me as a kid too. And it just didn't seem like, I mean, most pastors that you go to or most just regular church people, I guess, that you go to, if you try to tell them stuff like that that's happening to you or that used to happen to you, they they don't have an answer. Like, <laughs> they just um, the church isn't really prepared, I guess you could say for yeah. weird, weird stuff like that to have, like to give an answer to somebody. So I started looking in other directions. And, um, so my, when my daughter was five and she suddenly was telling me, it's hard to explain her face, but it was so sincere. And none of my kids are really the type to make up stories and stuff like that. But she, I was putting her in bed and suddenly it was like she was in a different place almost. And she started telling me about how she was wearing a soldier's uniform and had this gun. And she was explaining this elaborate gun to me. And she was explaining to me that the, the town people were angry with her because she took their last food, but she explained the situation to them. And then they liked her again and they gave her the food and there was a war going on and stuff like this. And she's five and pretty well protected. Like we um, didn't have regular TV. Um, we really monitored what they watched and what they were exposed to. Um, so it just seems so sincere. She wasn't telling me a story. She was relaying to me something that had just happened to her, like something she had just experienced. And our youngest son too, um, 
he's got the trippiest things of all. Um, he was about, he was speech delayed. This child did not put two words together till he was three years old. Um, he was a very good, quiet baby. Um, I honestly started to wonder if he was a little bit delayed mentally just because of those kinds of things that he didn't show any other signs of having any kind of learning disabilities or anything. He was just a very quiet kid, very um, good natured, never cried, never complained or whined. Um, but he also didn't talk <laughs> until he was about three. And he started going to kindergarten when he was four. So he went to K4 and K5 and had the same kindergarten teacher for both of those years. And he didn't even speak to his kindergarten teacher until halfway through the fifth uh, K-5. So he was very, he was not very open and gregarious. He was very reserved and he didn't truly trust people um, to talk to them and stuff. Like he would talk to me, but not really to anyone outside the family. And he started, the reason I tell you he, he was speech late is because the information that he shared with me and with my mom, who was taking him to, walking him to school each day while I was at work, um, it was just so much information. He began telling us that his his daddy from, that, how do I describe, um, he didn't say his daddy from another life, but like he was talking about another father. And I would say, you mean your daddy? He'd be, no, my other, my other daddy, the other daddy. He's very sad. He's saying he's very sorry. He's running around the house, not our house, but he was describing their old house. He's running around saying, crying, saying he's so sorry. He's so sorry. He described to me that he was a baby and that there was a fire in their home and that he described to me the pictures on the wall ripping in half like you would see in a fire um, and that the doors couldn't be opened and the windows couldn't be opened and that he was in the house and it was on fire. And then suddenly he was outside of the house looking on top of the house and he described it to me like a, um, like I was, I just kept asking him questions. He described it like a, like a log cabin kind of. And he said that his other father was running around trying to get in and screaming and crying and saying, he's so sorry. He's so sorry. And he said, everybody died, mommy, except my, my father, my daddy, everybody died. And he said, my locket, where's my locket? And I'm like, what babe, what locket, honey? And this is like the most this kid's ever talked. Like he does not talk. I mean, <laughs> he, does, he really, really doesn't. And, um, he said, my locket, my mom, my mommy's locket. And I said, well, why don't you draw me a picture? He drew a picture of the locket. He said, it's on the floor of the barn. I have to get it. It's on the floor of the barn and I can't get it. And um, he would describe to me, he would say things like, the animals hate us, mommy, because we hunt them. The animals hate us because we put them in cages. And I said, who does, honey? Because we don't. We, and we don't, um, I don't have anything against hunters, but we don't hunt. And he would say, my daddy would put the animals in cages and they hate us for that. And my daddy's mean to them. 
Um, and so just this crazy stuff like this. And I was always trying to put it together. And I really started to believe that he was talking about another lifetime. And he went through a season of a good six months of just constantly talking about this other family and the fire that he was in and stuff like that. Um, and at one point he even said that his daddy had a, I think it was something else he was talking about, but his daddy had a Darth Vader mask and he would put it on and like try to make him laugh and stuff like that. And, um, he would say crazy things to me. Like one time I was walking him home from K4. So it was the middle of the day and he said, I see them mommy." I said, uh, what do you see? He said, all the souls, I see them going up so many, so many of the people going up um, into the sky. And that was all that he could really tell me. Um, but he would just say random things like that. And one time he came home and he said, Mommy, there's a man in my classroom and he's angry at me. I said, um, well, can you describe it for me? He said, he said, he's all black and he's not wearing a shirt and he's angry at me because I'm alive and he's not. I said, where did you see this man? He said, he stares at me from the corner of the classroom. I said, does anybody else see this, this man? He said, no, nobody else sees the man, but he stares at me and he's angry because I'm alive. And I try to tell him that, that it's okay that, um, <laughs> you know, please don't be angry at me, but the man hates him because he's alive and the man's not. And, um, so just stuff like that. And he eventually quit talking like that. And now he doesn't remember, but, um, if you've ever done any research into child, uh, children's past life memories, um, they often do in that, in that age between, I think it's like two and five will start to say things like that. Um, even our oldest son, when he was two, one day randomly said, um, I was putting him in his car seat and he said, my daddy's dead. Just like that. Just like, so matter of a fact, of a fact that I said, what? Your daddy's not dead. Your daddy is at home. And he said, no, my daddy's dead. <laughs> and um, I had no context for it at that time. But, um, you know, later on, after the other kids started saying weird stuff like that, um, I really started to believe they were remembering other lifetimes, parallel lifetimes or, or, what, have you, or what have you. So I started really researching stuff like that. And that took me into... Um, realms of thought that are, are away from Christian doctrine. And um, I started messing with some stuff that I really shouldn't have. And this is over a span of several years. There was one point where I really had kind of felt like I had license to just kind of explore whatever I wanted to and was super, super curious. And I got this book on Tibetan magic from the library. Also a terrible idea, you guys, like, <laughs> don't do that. Um, but I started like really reading this book and doing the chants and everything. And that opened up a can of worms, like for about a month and a half, 
every single night I was being woken up by spirits come into me. I was hiding under my husband. I was so scared. It was all night, all night long. I didn't even sleep. Like they were coming and waking me up every night. And I was so scared because they would, my husband and I weren't always sleeping in the same bed at that time. Um, and they would come and ask me what happened to them, why they're dead, what they do now and stuff like that. And this went on for about a month and a half, um, until I reached out to another psychic and she told me what to do and it all stopped, thankfully. Um, but that was a very strange time. Like I really realized that you can open some crazy doors. Um, but I, that didn't, didn't stop me from going down rabbit holes of different things. Um, so over the course of several years, I, um, started studying like Gnosticism, Hermetics, um, law of attraction, the mystery schools, shamanism. Um, I started experiencing Mandela effect and, um, I was just really studying pretty much anything but Christianity. Um, and then uh, in a stroke of fate, I came across, or it really came to me, um, as something called quantum healing hypnosis technique. And um, I'm not going to get too much into that because I don't, I really don't want to make it sound like something that I endorse anymore. But um, I became a QHHT practitioner, and I did that for about two and a half years. Um, and so I was technically a hypnotist, and um, it's not like um, a clinical hypno hypnosis, and it's not stage hypnosis either. It's a form of regression hypnosis, and um, it's very similar to um, there's Actually, in ancient Egypt, these things called sleep temples or dream dream temples, and um, that was started by the Egyptian priest Imhotep. And um, so, this QHHT technique is very similar to that in that um, I would regress people to <laughs> what I thought were um, different lifetimes, parallel lifetimes, and then talk to their, what it's called their higher self or their highest aspect and things like that. And, um, I was pretty good at it. I had a lot of demand. I really thought it was going to be my career. Um, the point of it was to heal past life trauma and, um, <clears throat> also childhood trauma to, um, it, in a way it's, it's like shamanism, it's shamanistic in its, in its essence. And um, so I experienced like quite a bit of weirdness with, with the hypnosis, um, which I, I, I could get into. Um, but at the time, I had already been meditating every day for probably three years or something. I was um, a very committed meditator and was easily able to meditate for hours, but my, my usual was about an hour every day. And, um, I did that all the way up until this past, or this, yeah, this January when I accepted Christ. And, um, 
I had been become such a good meditator and um, had awakened things, I guess, in me and around me doing the hypnosis um, that I was able to remote view other people's energy systems and their bodies. Um, so in the state of meditation, I would be able to project my consciousness into someone else's body and see where they had trauma. Um, like if they had a back injury, I could see it. If they had um, unforgiveness or like heartbreak or something, I could see it. Like I would be able to know what happened and how to heal that. I also did something called um, remote depossession. Um, which is pretty interesting. There's actually a free PDF book that you can read, uh, and I would say read it with caution, but it is interesting, and it's called Remote Depossession. And I started doing that for my clients and with my clients as well, my hypnosis clients. So what I would be able to do, because I could remote view, I could see what, if they had like negative spirit attachments to them or past life attachments to them, and be able to clear that away so that um, they wouldn't have the health issue or the mental or emotional issue that they had been having anymore. And I had a lot of really great success with that, actually. People actually paid me to do that for them. Um, I don't have an explanation for it. And, you know, from my, my new worldview, but... Um, that's something that I'm, I'm still kind of exploring, uh, or asking God, like, what was that all about? But in any case, that's what I was doing. And, um, yeah, so a lot of weirdness during, actually during the hypnosis, um, many times extraterrestrials would come through. So it was kind of like an essentially, uh, not really extraterrestrials. So I thought that they were at the time, um, it was essentially like channeling. So the first part of it was uh, past life exploration. And the second part of it was um, communicating with this person's higher self or their um, extraterrestrial self. I know it sounds really crazy, but this is, this is what it is. And um, many times, different kinds of beings would come in and share information about the world, make predictions, um, give insight. And, uh, so you should pretty much ask whatever question you had. Um, there were no questions that were, that were off limits. So anything that you had wondered about, you could ask these beings and they would give you an answer. So for a very curious person like I am, it's um, very appealing. Um, but I didn't realize it. But at the time that I was practicing QHHT, I was I was becoming different. Um, I was becoming more withdrawn from my family. Um, I was angry at my mom for constantly talking to me about Jesus because <laughs> I really did not want to hear it. Um, I was very happy with my beliefs, very content with um, what I believed and what I practiced. And um, so 
I'll make sure I'm not going over anything, like missing anything. Um, so like a lot of the people who practice QHHT are very much into theosophy and new thought. So that's kind of what new age is. It's just like a amalgamation of all these different philosophies and, um, sort of ways of um, making sense of, of our world and our universe, like theosophy, new thought, even <clears throat> Luciferianism to a degree. I mean, nobody would call it that, but that's essentially what it is. Like when you really break it down, um, I studied yogis. I was reading Yogananda, um, Hinduism, all these different gods that the Hindus have and stuff like that. Pretty much anything but Jesus Christ honestly. And, um, but as I said, like, it wasn't, hmm, it's, it's, it's still kind of, it's still fresh. It's still hard for me to kind of process that because it was a, a love hate sort of thing. Like I loved what I believed in. I really, really did believe it. And, um, and it was all about love. Like, it was only about love. It was all about lo love and light. Like, if you ever talk to a New Age person, they'll say love and light, you know. And they are, in that community, truly the most loving people. And um, very accepting of all different walks of life. So, within the same community, you can have Wiccans, you can have Satanists, you can have Pagans. Um, most of people, the people that I communicated with and were close friends with were, um, what you would call pantheists and that you just see God in everything. You believe that God is in everything. You believe that everything returns to love, everything returns to light and, um, that there really is no good and evil. It's all just neutral. It's all a matter of perspective. And that's what I truly, really believed. Um, but so what happened um last about this time last year is I actually had left my husband for a little bit um you know we had been together since we were teenagers but he was pretty he was not very good to me most of that time and um there was a lot of pain a lot of resentment that I was hanging on to and um you know, no matter how much I meditated or practiced uh, law of attraction or no matter how much hypnosis I did, whether it was with other people or, you know, self-hypnosis, no matter how much um, quote-unquote energy healing I did, like, I was so unhappy in my marriage. I just felt like a prisoner. Um, and this about this time last year, I ended up leaving him between mid-November and um, until I came home, and I'll describe what happened during that period of time. Um, I was staying with one of my very good friends and his wife, um, so I was not at home, and I had, I had spent some time with my parents over the holidays and my kids. Um, uh, let's see. I just want to be sure to say, like, everybody but me thought that there was something demonic or supernatural going on. 
um, with me. Everybody but me felt that way. Um, at least everybody in my direct life, like my family. Um, and my, my daughter's best friend had seen something manifest on my face. She said it looked like, um, a scary, evil man as I was talking to her. And she said, Lauren, you need to figure out what to do with your pain. Like there's something attached to you and it's because of your pain. And I just totally wanted to blow it off. Um, my husband too, in a prayer session, a private prayer session. So I should say like when I left him, he rededicated his life to Christ. Like he got right with the Lord um, because he was just, God apparently had been putting it on his heart for many years to be the priest of our family, to be the head of our household, the spiritual covering and the spiritual protection. Um, but he was running from something that um, I won't mention, but let's just say he, he did everything to me wrong in a marriage that you can do besides physically hurting me. Um, and he was constantly like running from this thing that he did. And he knew that in order to step up and be the man that God wanted him to be, that he was going to have to own up to what he did. And, uh, he wasn't, and he wasn't ready to do that. But in the meantime, I was off doing whatever I wanted to do spiritually and opening all these doors and everything. And, um, I had valid reasons to leave him. He was not good to me at all. And he had, um, broken our, our vows and, um, in many different ways. And I mean, so that was, there was a question there. No, everybody knew I had every right to leave him, but all of them were believers and knew that God could make it good and did not think that we should, um, tear apart our family and this is to like I'm I'm not speaking at all towards anyone else who comes from a who who are divorced or who have who are not with their children anymore or anything like this is just our situation I just want to make sure everybody understands that um everybody in our life was advocating for us to keep our family together but me like I was at the end of my rope I did not want to be with him anymore I was tired of um, always hoping for him to change and stuff like that. So when I left, he pretty much got on his face and started going to a Bible counselor and started, um, going, taking the kids to church and stuff like that. And was really stepping up, not for me, but for the kids. Like he knew that he had to get right with God for them. Um, because he had seen like the direction that I was going in, which he didn't agree with it, but he never tried to stop me either. And, um, so <clears throat> I was spending time with my parents over the holidays and God was really speaking to me. Um, my philosophy, my, like my worldview at the time was all about like synchronicities, number sequences and following the synchronicities and stuff like that. Well, God really started to speak to me on my own terms <laughs> as I challenged him. Now I had everybody praying for me, um, but I was really challenging God. And here in South Carolina, 
we have plenty of billboards with it just says like Jesus <laughs> across the billboards or like um <laughs> like that's not uncommon for South Carolina at all and when you're not a believer when you're in the secular world it really truly is so annoying to see stuff like that and I definitely had a very secular view of God and and of Christians and um we all know what that secular view is is that they're hypocrites um that you know they're the first one to be backbiting or um you know, they just are constantly preaching at you, but not living, uh, living up to who they say Jesus is and to be loved to people and stuff like that. So, you know, and we, we all know about the problems in, in the church. And so I was really focused on that and just like, listen, I don't want any part of that at all. Um, the community that I associated myself with in the new age was very loving and accepting of all different kinds of people. And, um, there was no judgment at all, and I really loved that, and I was not about to easily leave that behind, but um, I won't go into too much of, like, the the, um, the faith aspect of it, but um, he... My, my mom and my husband were always very harsh with me. Like, they were... They would... And I'm not throwing them under the bus at all. This is just their personalities. They would kind of weaponize the scriptures against me because they were so afraid for me, which they had every right and every reason to be afraid for me. But God was always very gentle with me. And he spoke to me in ways that I understood. And that was through synchronicities and through, um, there, there was this little book that my mom had that was about street kids. And it was about this nun who who would go and minister to these street kids and stuff. And um, that really moved me because it kind of brought me in the new age. You're not in reality, uh, um, not very much. Like there's this emphasis on never thinking um, negatively to never like fear is like the enemy, which it is in Christianity too, but it's kind of, they take it to almost like a silly um a silly extent where you never talk about anything negative and you kind of just put your blinders on to all the evil that's in the world. And you just say, not in my reality, not in my reality, but the reality is that there's evil in the world. And that really, that little book about those street kids, about these children that had grown up in these terribly abusive homes. And then their only option was to leave home as children and to go live on the street and basically um, go into prostitution or into drugs or whatever just to survive. Like, I couldn't think of a more horrible um, life for somebody. And this nun was ministering to them. And it really, like, I thought to myself, would I tell them to meditate? Like, if I were talking to these kids, would I tell them to like, to meditate themselves out of their situation? Would I tell them to think positively until they're out of their situation? <laughs> no, I would tell them about God. I would tell them to, to pray and let's, like, let me help you. And I would, they don't have family. Like, that's the most important things is faith and family. And I would want to be a family to them because they don't have that and like those are very christian ideals not new age ideals you know and that um that little book really hit home for me but i mean that wasn't the end all be all i was still um 
it just it just made me think. Um, and then I I was at my friend's house and um, I was doing some work for them and they were they were still asleep in bed and my mom sent me this article about about the things that I believed and how it was um, Luciferian and like you will never hear that spoken of in any new age community um but for the first time i actually read the article and it dawned on me <laughs> oh it was it didn't dawn on me it was like a freaking smack in the face um she's right all this stuff that i believe is right here it's all luciferian and god spoke to me and I knew it was God. I just didn't want to believe. I was just pretty much saying, like, I'm not going to be a Christian. I knew God was calling me. I knew he was talking to me. And I knew it was him. I knew it was not the universe, like the nebulous universe the, or the the force prana or whatever. I knew it was Jehovah God. And he was saying to me, you know, Lauren, if you're going to, if you're, if you're going to call yourself open-minded, then don't you at least owe it to yourself to investigate this further so that you know for sure that what your mom is saying is incorrect and you can, um, in an educated way, defend yourself and tell her, look, I believe what I believe and this is not what you say it is and stuff like that. And, um, so he was using my own philosophy um, to kind of, <laughs> so I was like, cause I was like, yeah, you know, you're right. Um, if I'm going to call myself open-minded, I at least need to look into this further. And then he says to me, well, you haven't watched Stephen Bankars' testimony. It's been years and you still haven't watched it. And for people who don't know, Stephen Bankars, um, he used to write for a blog called Spirit Science and Metaphysics. And at the time when I had Facebook, I followed him on Facebook and I read his articles. I and he was, I believe you've seen him on Michael Heiser, probably. Well, yeah. And I, I believe that he actually, that was his magazine, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was his blog, Spirit Science and Metaphysics. Yep. And he was all into all the same stuff <laughs> that I was into. And one day, um, he just says on his Facebook profile, he's out, he's become a disciple of Jesus Christ, and he's shutting down the blog, and everybody was, like, yeah. so hateful toward him and stuff. And I, I just want to say and interject real quick that what, what you just said is, is really just a fraction of what was going on in his personal life with that, because he actually gave up hundreds of thousands of dollars a year he was yeah. he was yeah. a very 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 wealthy person uh yeah. talking mm -hmm. about this stuff blogging about this stuff giving speeches about this stuff and he literally one day just threw it all away just turned it all off and mm -hmm. it it whether people believe in god jesus or whatever it, it, it's it's relevant to the fact that he literally steven literally had something happened to him in his heart that literally made him throw away hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Like he, it, mm -hmm. something happened to him, transformed him to the point where 
he couldn't stay making the same money he was making. He literally threw it away. So it was something that very serious for him. And I, 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 may, I may not be uh, drawing out the picture well enough for people to understand what I'm trying to say, but like whether you believe in God, Jesus, or anything like that, it, it just just understand that this guy had such a life transformation that he was willing to walk away from all his wealth because it, it really penetrated his soul that much. Uh, that's that. I just wanted to stress that because it wasn't just like he he stopped blogging one day. He literally threw away a career of hundreds of thousands of dollars. He was mm-hmm. made. Yeah, I would strongly suggest just for anybody to you. All you have to do is is put in YouTube Stephen Bankar's testimony. It comes right up. It's pretty short, one fifteen minutes long, and he did. And um, I I just had so much in common with Stephen Bankars. We were interested in all the same things. Um, and especially with the ancient aliens stuff, I was super, because of the hypnosis, which is a big extraterrestrial aspect of that type of hypnosis is very prominent. And I was very into um, ancient aliens and everything. Um, and so was he. And so I really didn't know his full story when God told me to look at his testimony. Um, I just knew that one day he was writing blogs about um, chakras or chakras and um, energy work and all this kind of stuff, like not in a woo-woo way, but a very articulate way. He's a very intelligent person. Um, And it was just great mental fodder for me. And then, you know, the next day he was, he was done. And I never watched his testimony when he came out and said that he was a disciple of Christ. I pretty much just wrote him off and didn't think of him again. And so God said, look, it's been years. Why don't you just watch his testimony? What's the worst that could happen? And so I did. And I immediately felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm trying to get, get emotional. If I'm emotional, it's not because it's, painful because it's just um I'm just so thankful for what God's done in my life and um but at that time um I watched his testimony and then I watched another one and I watched another one and another one because there are so many new age to Jesus Christ videos on YouTube so many occult to Jesus Christ or witchcraft to Jesus Christ like um there's there's so many I never ran out of them I just kept watching them and as I did that and as I began to really open my heart to the true Jesus Christ because in the new age we do have Jesus Christ we have a form of Jesus Christ that people say he's an ascended master they say that he is um or an extraterrestrial he is a divine um enlightened being that came to give us Christ consciousness so that we can all become like Christ. And that's that's Luciferianism, so by the way. Okay, let's talk about a sponsor for today's show, which is Pretty Litter. 
You know, hiding out during the long winter months means a whole lot of downtime at home. And if you're a cat owner like me, you might be apprehensive about being within no shot of the litter box for hours on end, especially when it's due for a refresh. Thanks to Pretty Litter, I have odorless litter delivered right to my door. That's right. It is delivered to my door. So when it's cold outside and you don't feel like driving to the store or it's snowing, you still got your Pretty Litter because it's delivered right right to the door. And talk about convenience, it's not only delivered to you, but it is a much better odor management system, much easier to clean. Pretty Litter is the litter you want if you're a cat owner. You can't change the weather, but you can change your kitty litter. Make the switch like I did today. Go to prettylitter.com and use the promo code TONY, T-O-N-Y, for 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code TONY. Before we move any further here, you meant what you just said about uh, Christ consciousness and how that's Luciferian. Why don't you, uh, if, if you don't mind, or I'll, I, I can try at least, uh, break that okay. down as far as why, because if you were to just say, uh, Christ consciousness is Luciferian. It's like, whoa, wait a second. I, I consciously should be like Christ. That's biblical. Why is that Luciferian? But what you're what you're saying is more along the lines of like what Oprah believes and preaches. Which, yeah, uh, go ahead and explain. Oprah, Eckhart Tolle, and them. Um, those you know those big names. So the idea is that um, Jesus came to show us the way to be enlightened and that Christ consciousness is not a person that Christ is not a person. Christ consciousness is this, um, all loving energy that has come to our planet to help us to enlighten and to help us to ascend into the next dimension of consciousness. Um, I know that's really far out for people who don't know anything about that stuff. So what it does is it replaces, so it makes it very easy for people who come from a Christian background to start believing in new age practices, because you can still say, I believe in Jesus, you know, um, but you believe in like an ascended master version. Christ consciousness is supposed to be the energy that helped Jesus, the man, become enlightened and that we can all become that way. We can all become enlightened and um, not have to return to the earth again to be reincarnated. And uh, I mean, it basically so, it's like uh, not, not become Christ like, but become Christ through Christ likeness uh, is yeah. really what they push. I mean, not that, that Jesus Christ is the isn't the only way to heaven. Jesus Christ isn't the way to heaven, but Christ consciousness, right. Christ likeness, creates right. a Christ in you that allows you to go through heaven through your own way. It, it, it takes yeah. it takes it takes the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross out of the picture, and that right, is right. very Luciferian. Yes, and so the idea of it is that we're all our own gods, little G. We're all God, right. and that's the essence of pantheism. We're all God, and Christ. The idea of Christ consciousness allows us to be all be our own creators and all be our own gods. And um, 
that that essentially is Luciferianism, um, essentially the, you know, social Satanism. Um, so we're not talking about like the evil Satanism, you know, there's different kinds of Satanism, but the, the most well-known one is that you become your own God and that um, you basically are serving yourself. So um, that's essentially what Luciferianism is and what New Age is, is just dressed up in love and light and dressed up as serving. We all, like, I can tell you, I I felt like I was serving humanity. I thought I was serving humanity. I really did. Um, And especially through hypnosis and helping people that way. um, I never for a second thought that I was being self-serving or that I was worshiping myself. I really did not. Uh, So these practices are very deceiving and very um, sneaky in that way. But when you break it down bare bones, because no new age person will say, oh, yeah, I'm Luciferian. You know, when my mom would say that to me when I was in it, I thought she was crazy, crazy. So but when you break it down, you really start to study it. That's what's Luciferian in it is the pursuit of knowledge and enlightenment as yourself as God. So that's how God, Big G, becomes the universe or prana or whatever, and not God Big G anymore, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, so let's see, where was I? Um, yeah, so I, as I started just watching one testimony video after another and really opening my heart to Christ, to the real Jesus Christ, the authentic one of the Bible, these beings that were my angels and my guides, because I was, you know, I had beings around me all the time that I called my guides. Um, I knew them. I talked to them. They helped me. Um, you know, they're the ones that when I was doing tarot cards, like they were the ones choosing the cards and stuff like that. Um, I did the whole thing, tarot cards, the crystals, everything. And they were always around me. And in, in the new age, they're called your guides and your angels. And um, they started turning on me. The more testimonies that I watched and the more that it was evident that um, I was feeling convicted by the Holy Spirit and that I was really believe, starting to believe what these people on these videos said. Can I interject um, real quick? Yeah. Okay. So I, I just want to confirm with what you're saying because... What you just said is that your guides were there to comfort you, support you, and guide you through life. But the more you felt convicted and the more you started looking into Jesus Christ and Christianity and following, not Christianity itself as in like the religion, but following Jesus Christ. It's it's very important to understand. And I know this is not typically the in-depth that I usually go on the show, but I I just want to say that it's very important to understand, one, that... It's not Christianity that is the threat. It's literally Jesus Christ that's the threat, and you were looking into Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. And so your guides Mm -hmm. and these spirits that's supposed to love you and guide you through life and and care for you on a spiritual level are starting to show a different side of them, an uglier side of them. And that's not untypical. That is something that happens a lot. If you look into New Agers and you look into the New Age movement, 
almost everybody who comes out of the New Age movement that and, and turns to Jesus Christ has a very similar story of their guides turning on them. What you just said, guides turning on you, is a very common phrase. And I just wanted to stress that before you moved on. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I'm glad that you are. <laughs> it should be stressed um, because it is not unusual. My story is not uncommon. You, it's, there are a plethora of the exact same thing. Once somebody starts to really open their heart to the idea that uh, of Jesus Christ as our Savior and our King, um, those beings that were there to help you do start to turn on you. And so what they did was they mentally tormented me. The more I sat there and watched these videos, I became more and more mentally and psychologically distressed. Um, not because I was afraid that I was going to be punished by God, but because these beings essentially energetically were threatening me energetically and were coming against my mind. And at that point, if anybody other than my family had seen me, they probably would have had me committed because all of these voices were clamoring like a cacophony at one time in my mind all of these questions and accusations trying to cloud my mind and give me a lot of fear in my, in my body and like in my soul, give me a lot of fear and anxiety. And, um, they were truly coming against me. And the more that I watched these testimony videos, the stronger it got. And, um, after a couple hours of this and just not knowing what to do, because I didn't have an automatic change in my belief. Um, it was sort of, I was kind of in this weird in-between now where I'm just realizing that I was wrong, but still, still myself. Like I didn't, um, well, let me just keep going or else I'm going to get myself all twisted up here. So um, I, I said, I said, God, I don't know what to do. Um, these things are after me now. What do I do? And God said, go get under the protection of your husband right now. And I did not want to go home. I was hell bent on leaving this man. I did not want to be with him. I did not want to be married to him. He had hurt me so much and like in every possible way. And God said, go get under his protection. Because while I was gone, he became a different man by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is completely changed um, by the grace of God. And I went home. Um, my kids were at school, and I sat on the couch and just continued to watch testimony videos and be tormented by, it was like I was compelled to watch the testimony videos, but I knew every time I did. It was getting stronger and stronger that these things were coming against my mind and my emotions. Um, but it, I did that didn't stop me. I kept watching them, and um, he finally, my husband finally came home, and I pretty much just threw myself in his arms and explained to him what was happening. And he had actually talked to somebody about spiritual warfare. They told him this was going to happen. So he was, he was prepared for it. And he took me in, um, very graciously. And like, there was no 
talk about anything about like any any kind of like um dirty laundry being brought up or uh accusations or anything like that he just took me in and protected me started praying over me praying for me um he could tell that I was in great distress and um like I said we we never slept together in the same bed um for many years and that night he slept with me and he just prayed for me all night he had his his you know just holding me all night because I was scared I was so scared like I said not of God not that I was in trouble but these beings were after me hardcore and I really think it would have been much worse for me if it hadn't been for my husband's protection over me because if you go and like watch videos or anything a lot of people um, have it much worse uh, without any kind of protection over them. Um, so that night I was actually, I would fall asleep and I would dream about demons and then I would wake up and be repenting. And I would just be asking Jesus to forgive me and to help me and to save me and to save my friends. And then I would fall back asleep and dream about demons again and then wake up and, um, be repenting. And that carried on all night. And then finally in the early hours of the morning, um, I had a dream that was not like a dream. It was like one of those dreams that are very real. And sitting in front of me was this demon or being um, that we would call a demon probably. And I had actually seen this thing before when I was meditating, um, maybe about a year ago. And I, when I was meditating, um, I was very good at seeing outside of my body. Like I said, I was um, very practiced at remote viewing. So I was looking outside of my body and I saw this demon standing to the left of me. And when it saw that I saw him, he ran and hid, <laughs> which I thought was weird. But for whatever reason, in my ignorance, it didn't alarm me. Um, I was just like, oh, that's weird. Um, but this was the same being. And it was it's like dark brown with leathery skin, sort of a flat nose, um, a small mouth, um, sort of almond-shaped eyes, I guess, and these great big thick horns, I mean thick, that tightly wrapped around um, themselves. And he was wearing a light blue uh, cloak and carrying a staff. And in this dream, it's against, it was against a, a purely white background, He's standing there and he says to me, you're mine. You belong to me forever because of the blood sacrifice. He's just telling me matter of factly, like, there's no, and there's no like, ha ha ha, I'm going to scare you. Exactly. What blood sacrifice? Um, okay. So I, I like jumped awake, like, God, what does that mean? What blood sacrifice? I've never done any ritual magic in my life. Um, and I immediately thought of my great, great, great uncle who was in the, the demons club, the, um, society of Osiris and thought that maybe it was him at some point. Um, but I would, I would later learn that, um, and I could, I can get into this if you want me to, but that, um, there's something called blood altars. That's like a curse. Um, 
And I think it was referring to that and it could be thousands of years old. And I don't want to, like, I don't, I don't, I just really don't want to scare anybody with that because there's no reason to be scared, especially if you have, you have Jesus Christ. I, like, I'm not scared of this stuff at all. But at the time, I was very scared. And, um, uh, so I, I, I would, <laughs> I would say go ahead and scare them. I mean, it's supposed to be a show where people get okay. scared. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, if this isn't scary enough to scare you, like, scare you straight, I don't know what would be. But, um, so, I fell asleep after that, just sort of like asking God, what is this blood sacrifice? What does he mean that I'm his forever? And I know that I knew that was untrue, but um, it's not like, you know, the Holy Spirit was working and Jesus was working. I fully believe that they were, they were there with me. They were in this battle with me, but I couldn't feel them yet. Like it wasn't like an angel ascended from the heavens and like fought all these things off and stuff. It was, it was, uh, it, it was a, a progression and, um, yeah, it's like a, a slow process. trickle. It's like a slow trickle sometimes yeah. where it's like, yeah. Cause there was so much darkness around me. Yeah. So much. I mean, sometimes it happens in the blink of an eye for people. And sometimes it's a slow trickle effect where they're literally pursuing God and they don't feel him. They know he's there but they don't feel them. And then over time, they gradually start feeling more and more. Uh, and it takes persistence. And that's hard. That's hard yeah. to pursue yes. pursue so- the invisible God that you can't lay your eyes on, but pursue him when you don't feel anything about it. That's hard to do. That's hard to do. Well, that's what I was doing. <laughs> that's what I was doing. Is But it's like, I knew that the Holy Spirit was telling me that that Jesus Christ of the Bible was real, that he really came and did what the Bible says that he did. But like, I didn't, it wasn't like, like you said, it wasn't the blink of an eye um, change or anything in me, but I just knew, I knew that they were, were right, but I still had to go through this stuff. So I very much went through it. And that morning I got in the shower after my husband had gone to work not even because I needed a shower. I just felt yucky. I felt so, I felt just, I just felt evil all over me and in me because when you're in the presence of the Holy Spirit, you just, you feel us compared to his righteousness and his glory. It feels gross. And I just had this gross feeling all over me. And I got in the shower and I said, Jesus, show me what I'm dealing with here. Like, I don't know what is going on. I just need to know what I'm dealing with. And I had my eyes closed and he showed me, he showed me this creature and it's going to sound very familiar to you. Um, so this thing had like a humanoid shape. It was the shape of a man and he had a very large, like abnormally large bulbous head with sprouts of hair sticking up all over. Like it was um, very thin and sparse, but it was like sticking up. And um, he had huge, crazy eyes. And like you could see the whites of his eyes all around. And he had a grimace that made it look like he was smiling. He wasn't smiling, but he had this mouth full of gnarly, jagged teeth and to where this, like, I guess it's skin or like how we would describe it. Skin of his lips was pulled back so much from these teeth that it made from ear to ear that it made it look like he was smiling. He wasn't, (laughs) but it just had that look to it. And 
I tried to look away. I said, no, that's my imagination. And Jesus said, no, you asked for it. That's it. That's what you're dealing with. And I, um, he said, go call your husband and tell him to come back. You can't do this on your own. And so I jumped out of the shower. I said, can you take the day off today? He came right home and I told him what happened, what I saw. And he was just beside himself because during a prayer session that he was doing for me, he saw this thing that, and it was laughing at him while he was praying for me and mocking him. He saw the exact same thing. And I later found out that I did a hypnosis session with our oldest son um, a few years ago, and he also saw it, but was but didn't want to freak me out and didn't tell me. He saw it attached to me. Um, so I think that this thing has been attached to me since birth, honestly. Um, I think it's what spoke it to me when I asked Jesus into my heart and said, that's enough. I think it's what has always been talking to me. Um, never told me to do bad things or anything like that, but um, sometimes I think I was hearing it and not God when I thought I was hearing God. And um, so my husband called up the church that he had been going to, and he took me to the church, and I was just a wreck. I was just, I, I can't even really explain it. I looked like I was having a psychological breakdown. Um, so he went and got the key from the from the office, and we were walking because the church building was across the street from the church office. And when we got the key from the office, and we were walking across the street to go into the sanctuary, this thing started trying to choke me from the inside of my throat, and trying to keep me from going into the sanctuary. Um, but we finally got in there, and I laid down on what would be called the altar, but it's more like a stage because it's a pretty big um, sanctuary. So it's more like a stage where the pastor teaches from. And I laid down there um, and uh, my husband grabbed a Bible and sat down next to me. And as soon as he sat down, something metal, um, like some part of a light fixture or something fell or was thrown at him, like right between his shoulder blades. Um, as soon as he sat down with that Bible and, um, he was pretty scared. He was trying to be tough, but he was pretty like, he'd never dealt with anything like this before. We hadn't really talked in months. Like we did not have a relationship and, um, here, his wife comes home and she has to be exercised, you know, <laughs> like, it's pretty surreal for him. Yeah. Um, but he was, he was warned that it was going to happen and so he we he opens the Bible. He starts just reading randomly from the Bible from Psalms, I think, and um, just doing what uh, the only thing he knew to do was to cast it out in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, just the way that the disciples did it in the Bible. And I started like rolling away from him. Like I had, I at this point was very much. Um, outside of my body kind of um I wasn't fully aware of everything that was going on I was kind of like an observer of it all so I I was not rolling away from him but something was rolling me away from him and like I was like coming off 
the stage kind of, and he had to push me down and he put one hand, um, on my head and one hand on my chest and was praying for me. And he kept saying, profess Jesus as Lord, profess Jesus as Lord. And I was having a very strong cognitive dissonance over this because I was thinking to myself, well, I don't know if I believe Jesus is Lord. I know that sounds crazy after everything that had already happened, but I was like, I really don't know because I have these demons speaking to me, telling me all these things like, this isn't real. This is just your shadow. And what about this? And what about that? And all these questions, like, all these questions that I used to have when I was younger that really made me doubt my faith and everything. And they just kept throwing all that at me, but he just kept saying, profess Jesus is Lord. So I did, um, I pretty much made myself, I did believe it, but I didn't, but I did. It's really confusing. Um, but I, I did start to say it out loud and I just said it over and over again. And he's praying for me. And then I screamed like this crazy, crazy scream that was a mixture of agony, pain, fear, um, all of these terrible emotions you can think of is what it sounded like all at one time. It was a very long scream. It was, and like I said, I didn't really have. Uh, an acute awareness of what was going on to my me as Lauren I was kind of like man this must sound really terrifying (laughs) but it wasn't like it was me that was screaming I was just kind of watching and or listening I guess you could say and he said that my mouth opened farther than was humanly possible what I remember thinking is man my jaw really hurts he said, and he's a big guy, he's got big hands, he said he could have fit his whole entire fist with room to spare in my mouth, that it was just like a movie where the mouth opens way farther than should be possible as I was screaming this out. And at the moment where this thing, I guess, left me, um, I had a vision and my eyes were closed. It wasn't an open vision, but it was a vision of all these just countless, countless, countless different types of beings. Um, the sense I could see many of them, but the sense that I got was that they were um, innumerable. They were, you literally could not count them. They were so, so many. I saw gray aliens. I saw humans. I saw goblins and different types of like creatures and monsters. and. Um, And the message that I got, or I guess what I could say that I understood in that moment when this thing left me was that if it's not an angel of the Lord, it serves the God of this world, who is Satan. That was just a very clear message that there are countless different types of beings that inhabit this world and even around it and inside of it. And they all serve the God of this world. And if it's not an angel of the Lord, then it serves Satan. And that's just a very clear message that I got. And so then I guess that was pretty much over, but I wasn't better yet. 
I still had a venomous hatred towards my husband, which I knew was not me. So we both knew that this battle was not completely over yet. For the next couple of weeks, I would say week for a week, I turned my phone off. I was catatonic. I could not do anything, anything. I could not engage with my children. I could not take care of my animals. I could not get off the couch. I had just enough strength to go to the bathroom, basically. I don't remember eating. If I did, um, all I could do was lay there for a solid week and watch testimony videos because the Holy Spirit kept saying to me, edification, 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 because the battle was not over yet. But when I say I was catatonic, I'm, I mean like I was in a bad psychological way for a solid week. And we started saying a deliverance prayer together every morning and every night. And um, and I, I am cautious to use that term deliverance because there are a lot of very conservative believers in Christ who will say that, um, you know, deliverance isn't in the Bible, you know. A Christian can't be demon-possessed, and at this point, I would have been considered a believer. I was a Christian. At this point, I believed that Jesus came for my sin, died on the cross, and rose again, and is the king of all creation. At this point, I fully believed that, and yet I was still dealing with demonic energies in and around me, and they needed to be dealt with. So... We were saying this deliverance prayer, and every time we did, I would cough, cough, and cough, or yawn, and yawn, and yawn, and they do say that that's the spirits coming out of you, and um, things got better, but it took me three months to be able to work, to be able to have the strength to do anything, um, so it was a pretty long season of deliverance, and there was even one day when I just felt really sick, like I was going to vomit, but it was a weird, well, it wasn't like physical sickness, it was like spiritual, and I just laid on the couch and listened to praise and worship music and read the Bible and prayed, and um, two spirits came out of me, one of them was called Pharaoh, one of them um, was called Marduk, and these are well-known demonic energies. And um, so it was like things like that for several months where I just kept giving up these different entities that had names. I didn't always know their name, but there were some times when they came out of me where I just knew their name. I just I knew what they were associated with. And... Um, that went on for several months. I mean, there's still sometimes, um, it's been, that was January. That was the 5th of January when I came home and, um, it's been a long process, but, um, I can say that the Holy Spirit has completely restored our family, completely resurrected our marriage completely and totally. We just, um, renewed our vows last, not last weekend, but a couple weekends ago. And, um, all the funny business has stopped pretty much. He, he and I have both experienced, um, an attack at night since then. Um, but, and I, I, I noticed that when I'm not around him, like if I go to visit my, my mom or my grandmother, 
and I'm not at home like overnight that um, I don't feel safe and I feel like something's trying to get at me if I'm not under the protection of my husband. But for the most part, um, the kids don't experience things anymore. Um, I don't really experience things anymore except for the random sort of attack, but we know how to handle it now. And um, it has truly been a miracle because only God could have restored my marriage. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. But that's what happens. <laughs> I... And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, finally, for the sitting here for two hours. No, I'm just kidding. As of, in, as of, in two hours. Uh, as of right now, it's an hour and 53 minutes. So, oh, okay. But uh, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'm, I'm playing with you. Uh, I appreciate I you opening up and sharing these things because I understand it's hard. And, and even the the uh, repairing of a marriage can be hard to talk about. And it took me time to talk about my issues that I, we had and stuff in our marriage. Thank God for us. Yeah. We, we didn't have uh, children at the time. It was just her and I, and you know, we had to go through our process and, you know, I b- firmly believe that God softened Lindsay's heart towards me and allowed her mm-hmm. uh, a, a willingness to give me a second chance and uh, you know, yeah. all that stuff. So uh, I, yeah. I'm very, I'm, and I'm very open about, you know, my life and, uh, where I come from and stuff. So if somebody doesn't know that I had marital problems, well, now you do. I, I, I had marital problems <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, but it, it, it does take a lot for you to open up and talk about that. And not to mention the experiences that you just, you know, recalled to us and stuff, especially, you know, transitioning from the new age stuff to, uh, a Christian faith you um you have these experiences and and you see this entity and you you even said during when you were talking you said uh you know this is going to be sound familiar and then you started describing the mouth and mm-hmm. and that and obviously it does because that's something that just keeps popping up uh you, I know it's crazy yeah. when i was like I, cause I had, when I contacted you initially i had only listened to like one and a half episodes of the show and then after I went back and listened to most of them and listening to the newer ones, I'm like, he's going to think I'm making this up because everybody talks about this thing with these gnarly, jagged teeth. But yeah, that's I think exactly it's, it. I, I think it's important to, I think it's important to let the audience know as well that uh, when you contacted me, you didn't know who I was really. And you only heard like one, no. one episode. You didn't know I was a Christian. It's very impulsive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, you know, it's not like you reached out to me because, you know, it's like, let me talk to this guy who, who believes the th- same thing I believe. You didn't know that I believe the same stuff you believe. No, and, I didn't. And, no. and I, you know, there, there's, I'm sure there's, if we talked long enough, we'd find things that we disagree on and stuff and that's fine. Um, but, uh, it, it's really interesting though, that this thing keeps popping up in these interviews and everybody, you know, the body, the, 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 uh, aura about it can be a little different from story to story, but the one thing that keeps popping up is the jagged teeth and the smile. Yeah. Now you described it differently, though. You you said it wasn't smiling, but the way the shape, the the face or the mouth was f- shaped, right? Yeah, it was just like it had the appearance of smiling, just because of the way that the skin was pulled back over the teeth. It did look like it was smiling, but there was no benevolence in it. It wasn't. This was just like resting face for this thing you know what i mean like it wasn't 
it wasn't mocking me and it wasn't smiling at me and it wasn't being nice to me either, but it looked like it was smiling. Okay. Yeah. It's really interesting to hear these different stories that people will go through and, you know, how they relate to other stories. And I'm sure some of the people who've experienced what you experienced and have been on the show are listening right now. And they're like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know, we should actually form like a support group where we we all meet once a week and talk about things. <laughs> you know? That would be great, actually. 12, 12 steps to don't recovery. Don't let it be on Facebook. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't have time for that. You're going to do it on your own. I don't have time to do the uh, 12 step support group for you guys. <laughs> That actually might be something I, I undertake. That sounds like a pretty good idea. Yeah. I mean, uh, hey, you know, I'll tell you what, I, I said it kiddingly and stuff, but, you know, you saying that it, it may not be a bad idea to uh, kind of look into, you know, the possibility of opening up a support group and stuff and, and allowing people mm-hmm. to come and, and share uh, logistics of doing something like that would be key. I mean, you don't want to have it as like a Facebook group or something like that where anybody can come in. Uh, maybe it would be something like, you know, you as the person that's hosting the group uh, has an email where people can email you uh, what they're, what, why they want to join the group. And if you accept them in the group, then you guys all like every Saturday at noon, have a video chat session on Skype or something where you guys talk and support each other. But uh, it's definitely something that's worth looking into if that's something of of interest to you. Um, yeah, like like I said, I I'm seriously I seriously feel the call to create some kind of a website just to for for other believers and even people who aren't believers to reach out to someone who can help them with their paranormal issue and sort of point them in the right direction as how to to handle handle that because I didn't have that. I know a lot of people don't have that and they don't know where to look. You know, they turn to their church and either the pastor is totally lost as to what to tell them or um a lot of times you know not every time but or you know or they're looked at as crazy or they're afraid somebody's gonna think they're crazy so they just don't tell anyone and it just gets worse so i would like to be a resource for people for sure yeah you know i used to get really uh frustrated and even i would say even angry uh about the state of the american christian church today yeah Uh, yeah and I've expressed it on the show here and there, but I mean, in re- in reality, I was fuming about it. Uh, I- I've, mm-hmm. I've, I have eased up a little bit on that stuff. N- not that I-, I think it's excusable, but in the sense that um, pastors have a lot of obligations, a lot of responsibilities, and there's a lot of information they need to know as pastors. And this... Um, this paranormal realm that we find ourselves in, uh, they have a general sense and idea of, you know, what they believe and all that stuff. But, uh, if you, if you want a pastor to understand the, the ins and outs of Wiccan new age, all this other stuff Mm -hmm. and how it relates to their faith. I mean, that literally takes years and years and years of studying. And if they're taking years and years and years of studying and, and really putting the time into that, there's a lot of other things they're neglecting that are probably more fruitful Mm -hmm. for their congregation. And so I, I have 
come around to the idea that maybe my frustration, though was true, uh, might have been a little harsh at times. And I, maybe this is my way of publicly coming forward and saying, maybe I was a little <laughs> wrong in saying some of the things I've said in the past and stuff. But uh, though I believe what I said, I might have been a little bit rough in the past on the state of American churches, particularly yeah. the pastors. Um, but yeah. but you're right. You're right. that they, they do, There is a lot of... Um, not knowing within the the church of Christianity in America when it comes to the supernatural side of things. And that's because they have tried to, and this is where I stand, I pretty stand pretty firm on it. Uh, they have tried to water down what the Bible teaches to normalize it, quote unquote, uh, so that other people can digest it. And basically the whole thing is to put butts in seats. So you have you know, a, yeah. you have a church that, you know, has a mortgage of, you know, let's just say it's a, a $2 million building and the mortgage is, I don't know, $10,000 a month. Well, you have to pay $10,000 a month for that mortgage, not to mention the pastor's salary. So you bring on other people on staff, you try to grow the church and it's about putting butts in seats because you have bills to pay. And so right. they, they have watered down what they talk about because they don't want to say things that are going to scare people away. If you talk about the real supernatural side of life, the paranormal side of life that is in the Bible, uh, it's going to it's going to do one of two things. People are going to think you're crazy, they're going to leave, or they're going to get scared and they're going to leave. And that's not good for business. And I, I hate to say it that way, but church in America, for the most part, for a lot of places, has become a business. And it's, it's wrong, and they need to check themselves. Uh, I, I just... I'm just putting it out there and I'm saying it. I, I don't really care if people will agree with me or not. Um, there, I know there's a lot of pastors that listen to my show. Uh, there's a lot of good pastors that listen to my show, but I'm just saying that you're 501c3, which means you're tax exempt and you need to check yourself on how you're running your organization because you're running it like a business and you're treating it like a business. And there, you have to really ponder, are you willing to say certain things from the pulpit? Because a lot of times you're not, you're just not. Because you're yeah. you're scared of whose toes you're going to step on, and you need to check. Well, I I couldn't agree with you more. And um, there's definitely plenty of pastors who've had experience with the supernatural themselves, and they get it. But you know, you don't want to come right out of the gate on a Sunday morning oh, sure. with talking about this kind of stuff, you know. And I think that that's where people like us come into play. Like, um, at, just for example, my um our Bible counselor almost didn't believe what happened with me on the altar. And even in Bible counseling sessions, you know, as wonderful as she is, I mean, she helped repair our marriage and she, she and her husband remarried us just a couple of weeks ago. Um, she refuses to discuss the idea of deliverance or, um, the demonic or anything negative spiritually, because she firmly believes that if you just focus on Christ, focus on Christ, everything will be okay. And I believe that. And I don't believe that deliverance, because there are deliverance ministries and deliverance pastors that are totally out of balance and put yeah. way too much emphasis yes. on the dark side and stuff. And I get that that's what she's against, but we have to understand that there are plenty of people, Bible-believing Christians and Jesus Christ believers and disciples that are truly dealing with supernatural attachments, maybe not 
possessions, but they are these evil entities are affecting their lives. And there's really in the modern church, at least in America, um, no, I, I feel like not really any help um, with how to handle it. And so maybe the responsibility is not all on the pastors, but for other members of the body of Christ, like us, to reach out to people and um, help people who have are coming out of witchcraft or coming um, or just dealing with, you know, spiritual strongholds that we all do that I feel have in many cases have a spiritual um, origin to them. So that's my two cents. <laughs> no, it's, and that's fine. I mean, uh, and here's the thing. I mean, you're right. I, I like, I don't think pastors, I don't want to hold pastors to a, a level that's like, well, why aren't you talking about this every Sunday? There's a lot of things you need to talk about, and it's called salvation, Jesus Christ, and I get it. Yeah. I get it. But are you self-censoring around things that you feel uncomfortable talking about or you think that might scare people away? Just ask yourself that question. And you know, it could be, and to the other the point that you were making, uh, about, you know, if we just focus on Jesus Christ, you know, everything's fine. Well, here's the thing. When you focus on Jesus Christ, you are getting deeper and deeper and deeper into spiritual warfare. The more you do it, the more you do yeah. that, the, the further and further into a war you're getting. You're in a game. It's like, it's like you're in a basketball game and you don't even know it. You're playing 10 points down and you don't even know it. Like, you're literally getting further and further into this and you don't even know it. What you have to do is understand yeah. that the more you focus on Christ, the more attention you're bringing to yourself from the other side. And it, it every, That's absolutely true. every person. And I, th listen, I know, listen, I, I know that there's a lot of people that are probably like, what is going on here? T Tony is just preaching. But, <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's fine. Listen, listen. We're we're well over 175 episodes. Uh, you guys know what you get with the show, uh, and, and sometimes I, I just let it loose. And today is one of those days. Uh, but you you got it. Everybody needs to realize that when you when you do these things, you are literally going into a war. And the the more you okay. do it, the deeper you get into it. And so you have to understand what you're dealing with. Like there's a real, there's really an enemy. Like if you believe in God, oh, there's God. I love God, this, that, and the other. Well, there's an enemy to God. And every single person out there that breathes air into their lungs is valuable to that enemy. They want you. They want you. Yeah. And, and so like to say that you're just going to focus on Christ and everything will be fine. True. Focus on Christ and, 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 and your soul will be fine, but you might go through a lot of spiritual battles that you don't understand then. And you have no idea what's going on around you. If you would just would have educated yourself a little bit, you'd be fine. You're not fine, but you'd have a better grasp of what's going on. Uh, I I'll tell yeah, you, and go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was just going to say that, um, it just seems like, you know, deliver, not, well, I want to call it deliverance because I don't have another word for it, but I don't know, casting out demons or what have you was such a, the, the first part of Jesus's ministry, you know, when, um, I would say a primary part, and it's just not something that most of our modern church even thinks about anymore. And, um, I, I think that that could definitely change in our in our modern church because I've heard missionaries, maybe even one on your show, say like, 
they didn't even give it a thought until they went to another country and there's clearly yeah. demonically possessed people and then they have to confront it and be like, Oh yeah, Jesus did this, you know. <laughs> I guess I better do it yeah. too, you know. Well and, and that's the thing, it's a very popular belief in amongst uh, many denominations and, and that's another thing I have a problem with is so many denominations within the Christian Christian faith, uh it's I believe it's unbiblical. Um it, there is there yeah, I totally division. agree. there's too much division amongst Christianity itself. Uh yeah. But, um, well, you know, I, I forget what I was going to say. So, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. I'm getting, I'm getting hot under col- under the collar right now with this, this talk. So I, I think there's just been a lot of pent up energy that you for some reason have unleashed and, and uh, you, like you unlocked it. And, <laughs> and, I think uh, it's, I think it's something that needed to be said. Like this is, um, it might sound like you're off on a, a rant or something, but oh, I'm sure that there's somebody who <laughs> needs to hear this right now. So, yeah, and you know, I I, I fully know what I'm doing right now as far as <laughs> I know I'm going to get emails. <laughs> I know I'm going to get people say I'm never listening to the show again. That's fine. Uh, well, you all send me the email, <laughs> not Tony. <laughs> yeah, well, I, send, it to, send it to me. I, I I get the emails, and that's fine. I'm 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 uh, I'm used to it by now. But um, it's just it's important to me because I am a Christian, um, and I have so many people come on the show with different beliefs, and I'm fine with anybody coming on a show and talking about their experiences through their worldviews. I'm fine with that. And I can hold a conversation with anybody. Uh, but then there's a rare occasion, like somebody like you who comes on the show and just for whatever reason, you, you, you say some things that pushed my buttons the right way. And I'm just like, okay, time to, <laughs> time to let it out. <laughs> and I have no idea if this is going to be good radio or not, but it is what it is. You put on, you put on your preacher Tony hat, your minister Tony. No, don't say that. I'm not a preacher. Trust me. I'm uh, I, I, you do uh, a great job. Uh, people sometimes, you know, because in the beginning of the show, when I first started, I mentioned that I went to Bible college. Uh, they automatically assume certain things about me. I'm not a pastor. I never got my degree. I have no <laughs> desire to be a pastor. So, uh, uh, yeah, let's just leave it at that. But, um, but yeah, Lauren, let me tell you something. I really do appreciate you coming on and talking about these things and sharing your experiences. It's, um, yeah, I mean, I, hopefully people enjoy it as much as I enjoyed it. I mean, I just sat here listening and then, uh, towards, I guess, towards the end of stuff, you started saying some things that got me a little riled up and stuff, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I guess some, maybe there's somebody that needed to hear it. Maybe I needed to be a little bit more humble and listen back at this and say, you know, maybe I was out of line. I don't know, but, uh, I probably won't take it out. So <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think you're out of line. And, um, I really appreciate you giving me this forum and space to share this and to, uh, to hopefully help other people. That's the whole reason that I decided to ultimately come on the show. Cause I didn't initially email you with that intent was right. to ask, you know, I wasn't asking you if I could come on the show. I just, but when Lindsay asked me, well, do you want to be on the show? You know, my only hope is that this is going to help somebody else. So I thank you for giving me that space to, to share. Sure thing. And I just want to, you know, confirm with what you just said. I mean, even in the email, you said, I'm not looking to be on the show. And uh, I remember Lindsay talking to me about your email. I was like, let's see if she wants to come on the show. So <laughs> I, I do appreciate you coming on and actually recording with me and sharing your story. So uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Tony.
Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, email, water coolers, mail pigeons. I don't care where you share them. But if you enjoyed the show, please share the show with a friend. And I'll see you guys next Tuesday, the last show of the year, December 31st. We got another show coming out. We're going to be interviewing Terry Lovelace and his experience at Devil's Den. So that's coming next week. And until then, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember... The truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Bye.